Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing this morning? How's our friends online? Oh, you sound like you guys are doing great too. Uh, it's uh, glad that you guys are here. This is going to be a really special month. And excited about starting this brand new series. Before we dive in, I wanted to celebrate. You guys, you want to celebrate something this morning? All right, let's celebrate something. Well, you guys know that uh, at the beginning of this month, we laid out our generosity goals for this uh, kind of this season. We do this, we've done this this year and last year. And uh, last year, one of our goals was we wanted to do 50 Operation Christmas Child boxes, and last year we met that goal, and I think we ended up with about 75. So this year when we were planning, you guys remember, we said, you know what? Hey, it's a global pandemic, and half the people of our church don't actually come. They watch online. So let's up our... And over the last few weeks, and so we set a goal of 125 boxes, and over the last few weeks, you guys came through strong, and we hit that goal, and those boxes are now on their way to children. And so can we celebrate just your your generosity? This next week, our second goal that we laid out, if you remember, is we we laid out a goal of raising $5,000 above and beyond what we normally give. And what we're going to do with that $5,000 is we're going to give every dollar of it away. We're going to give half of it to local organizations, and we're going to give half of it to church planting in the Denver area. And so that's next week that our goal, some of that's already come in, some of you have already begun to give uh, but next week's the goal to have that raised. And so uh, let, let's meet that goal and even exceed it and bless uh, some families in our community and help another church start in the Denver area. And so it's going to be an exciting month, as you guys uh, heard, Sharice, a lot of things to talk about, a lot of announcements. Uh, I know this probably like our family uh, over the past week or two, your, your home has probably transformed a little bit. I know Richard and I were talking this morning about cleaning up pine needles and because, you know, Christmas trees are coming in the house. And, and as you have begun to put up decorations and you have begun to watch some of those favorite classic Christmas movies that uh, maybe you sneak and, and watch it throughout the year, but now it's kind of legal to watch all those Christmas movies. Uh, you, you've started to listen to some of that music that you've been waiting to listen to and, and start to kind of take part in some of those family traditions. As you've been doing that this year, are you feeling merry and bright? Like you watch that video and merry and bright, it's like, I don't know about this year. I don't, I mean, the whole merry and bright, I mean, that, the, the word merry means happy, joyous, cheerful. You're like, uh, I don't know, 2020, I don't know about that. Bright, optimistic, positive, upbeat, sunny. You're like, you know what? I have a few words to describe 2020, and the top two words in my list, 
You may not be able to say those words in church, but they're definitely not merry and bright. Probably, and maybe you're like the eternal optimist and you're the person that like when everything's going bad, you're still the happiest person on your block. But for most of us, the two words that we would use to describe 2020, probably not merry and bright. In fact, in our family this past week, Lori and I had a very merry and bright moment uh, that almost put us in counseling, and maybe we should go into counseling. Some of you are like, what are you about to say? Well, well, just like you guys, we have traditions about getting our Christmas tree, and so we, last Saturday we went to our you know, Christmas tree place, and with our family we picked out our, I think we even have a picture, we, we picked out our Christmas tree with our extended family, and you know what, we're all feeling very merry and bright at this point. Hot, oh, we stopped at Panera and got their really good hot chocolate. And so, man, it's very merry, very bright, very joyous, very Christmassy, all the warm fuzzies. And then we, we took our, our tree home. And then that night, we put on Kenny G's Christmas music. And, you know, that's, that's kind of my new, that's my new Christmas. Every year I kind of get a couple that are like, oh, I haven't listened to this much. And so that's kind of one we're listening to this year. So we put that on and we probably had hot chocolate then too. Probably lit some candles again. Feeling very merry and bright and festive. And, and then I, I picked up Kate. I think we have a picture, you know, kind of the, the, the very ending of the Christmas tree decorating process is lifting your lightest child up and, and you know, helping them put the... the the uh, star on the tree, and again, went to bed that night feeling very merry and bright. And then we, Monday morning happened, and it's about 6, 6.15, and I'm, I'm kind of laying in bed awake, about to get out of bed, but I'm still laying there, and all of a sudden I hear this like light thud, and then a, a voice from the area where the thud happened in the front room, and it's my wife. Chris, I need your help. So I make my way out to the front and I see our very merry and bright, beautiful Christmas tree laying on the ground. Some of those ornaments that are those special ornaments that we've had cracked all over the floor. And so at this point, it with our morning breath and just, man, calf awake and hadn't had coffee yet, you know, I grabbed that and Lori's down at the bottom trying to fix the thing and the thing will not stand up. We're about to need counseling because of like, we're like, oh, you started, if you would hold it that way, right, it would fix. And, and finally, we got it up. But, but there was a few moments in that, in that putting the Christmas tree up that, man, it just didn't feel, it felt a lot like 2020. It didn't feel very merry and bright. It wasn't the perfect Hallmark Christmas movie picture. And maybe you can relate. I mean, you watch the movies and, and you, you see the, the Christmas movies and, man, every scene is perfectly decorated. And every, the, the girl always ends up with the guy that we all knew she would end up with. And at the end of the movie, everybody gathers around the town Christmas tree for the lighting of the town Christmas tree with a warm cup of perfectly made hot cocoa. And everyone's happy. And if, and, and if you are, are like our family, maybe your family's like that all the time. And I mean, for us, I mean, we have a lot of great moments, but man, sometimes especially this year, the Christmas season doesn't always fit the movies. 
doesn't always fit this idea of merry and bright. And there's definitely some challenges in life that we're facing that, that would maybe make us say, you know what, this is going to be a tougher year. And what's great about Christmas, and you know this, maybe whether you're a follower of Jesus or maybe you're investigating faith, if you, if you know the story of Christmas, you know that, you know what, the story of Christmas actually is built around some huge problems. What, what makes the story of Christmas so great is actually that it started with some really big problems. There were some unmet expectations, there were broken relationships, there was hopelessness in the world, and then someone came on the scene named Jesus that changed everything, but it wasn't a perfect Christmas that first Christmas. It would not have made it on the Hallmark Channel during December because, man, it was a hopeless situation. It was a dark situation with huge problems and a lot of hopelessness in the world. And no matter where you are on the, on the journey of faith, whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're investigating faith, maybe you're skeptical, not sure what you believe, no matter where you are, I'm very confident that the Christmas story provides some hope and provides some peace in the midst of problems. Not in spite of problems. It doesn't take all the problems away. You're not going to wake up on Christmas Day and everything's going to be perfect in the world. But in spite of all those problems, in the midst of all those problems, the story of Christmas brings hope and peace. And probably the, the most known account of the Christmas story was written by a first century doctor named Luke. And even if you didn't grow up in church, even if you aren't a Jesus follower, you have heard some of Luke's account of Christmas. When you went to your neighbor's Christmas kind of, kind of Christmas program at school, you probably heard somebody say something out of Luke's account. When you watched Charlie Brown's Christmas special as a kid, you didn't know it, but you were listening to some of Luke's account. And Dr. Luke, what he does is he, he lays out for us the story of the, the first Christmas. The story of, a, of a, a baby that comes on the scene in the middle of a situation that is very dark for the nation of Israel. In fact, the nation of Israel hasn't heard from God for over 400 years. The religious leaders of the day, the people that, that you would hope you could look to for some encouragement and hope, many of them were very legalistic. Many of them were really driven by rules. And some of them, man, they, they were doing some things that, that wasn't even lawful. And the king, King Herod, that, that the Christmas story kind of begins, the, the guy that was king, man, he was awful. He had, he had like nine or ten wives. And I mean, this is the type of guy Herod was. He was like, you know what? She's not making me very happy, so I'm just going to have her killed. And so he had some wives killed, just really for, I mean, not like there's ever a reason to kill your wife. Uh, but but he, had, there was no, he had nothing to say about it. He just, hey, she's getting on my nerves. I think I'll take her out. So, so the, the story of Christmas comes into the scene, and as Dr. Luke, he's writing this historical account of the story of Christmas. He's writing, and, and the setting is a dark setting. 
And because Luke was a doctor, think about it. When you go to a doctor, you don't want somebody that's kind of detail-oriented and kind of uh, particular. Like, you're looking for somebody that's particular, that's detail-oriented, and that's who Dr. Luke was. And so when you read his account, there's intricate details that are not in any other place in Scripture because Dr. Luke interviewed people that were with Jesus to the point where he knows stuff about the actual birth of Jesus that he could have only known if he would have interviewed Mary and Joseph. So he put a lot of time, as you would expect a doctor, and he investigated because he wanted to put together an accurate account of Jesus' birth and life. And here's what he says. Look at Luke chapter 1, he begins... The, the account of Jesus' life, just the way you would expect a highly educated doctor to start. He says this in Luke 1. Many people have set out to write accounts about the events that have been fulfilled among us. They use the eyewitness reports circulating among us from the early disciples. Verse 3, having carefully investigated everything. From the beginning, I also have decided to write an accurate account for you, most honorable Theophilus. So he's writing this account that he's investigated. He's interviewed people. He's put a lot of time into this. He's writing this account for uh, a guy by the name of Theophilus that was probably a Roman official. And so he's writing and he wants to make sure this account is just perfectly studied and investigated so it's truthful because he wants this account to build the faith of Theophilus. He says it this way. He says, so you can be certain of the truth of everything you were taught. Luke's careful investigation was meant to strengthen the faith of Theophilus. And so for you, you may be here, you may be watching online. And you, you might be kind of skeptical of the whole Jesus thing. And I, I get it. Well, well here's one thing you can, you can know and you can even study into history a little bit more. But Luke was a guy that was a real person in history. And Luke didn't take writing an account of Jesus' life lightly. He studied and investigated and interviewed so that it would be correct and accurate. And so you, you, maybe you can lean in a little bit more knowing that, hey, this doctor, man, he studied this out and, and he wanted this thing to be just exactly the way it happened. And so what Luke does is he sets the stage. He sets the stage for Jesus' birth by telling us about another couple that's really important to the whole story. Look at verse 5. He says this, when Herod, Herod the Great, was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So he, he tell, all right, he introduces us to Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah is a priest, Elizabeth's from a priestly line, and then he goes on to tell us a little bit about them. He says, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes. They were careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. So in, in a godless age, this couple, who, who's an older couple at this point, who are part of the religious system, and they have tried to follow God's commands, and they live a faithful life. These are good people. 
And then it says this in verse 7. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive. And they were both very old. So you have this couple. And if you are a mom and dad, you can kind of put yourself in this scenario. You have this couple who has for decades probably been faithful. They've, they've obeyed God with their life. They have sought God's, you know, first in their life. And man, they've had one big request, one dream, and that was to have a child. And, and, and they prayed for this child. And, and now they're older. They're, they're older. They're, they're about past the age when, when you're going to have a kid. And, and in this society, not having a child is, was different even than our society today. In this society, when when people looked at you, if you weren't able to have children, they looked at you as God must be upset with you. Because children, in their minds, showed that God's favor was on you. So if you didn't have children, you must have done something wrong. And so Elizabeth, imagine this, this faithful, godly lady that all she wants, she just loved to have a little baby. She literally, everywhere she goes, there's this, there's this embarrassment that just is all around her as people look at her, as they talk about her in the corner, that, because Elizabeth's unable to have children. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but as you, you think about that, it just doesn't seem fair. I mean, I mean, you think, man, these are really good people. They're faithful people. They've, they're, man, they'd be great parents. And, and for whatever reason, God has not allowed this couple to have children. And, and maybe you can relate with this in, in some area of your life where you feel like, man, I, I'm obeying God. I'm trying to live the way I'm supposed to live. And man, God, can I just get a little bit of help? Can, can you just come through for me in this one area? I don't ask for much, but could you just give me, I mean, look, me compared to these other people in my life, man, I'm living for you. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, but yet I just don't seem to, I don't seem to hear you. I don't seem to feel you. I don't, are you even listening? And I would imagine that this older couple, as faithful as they were, I'm sure there were some raw moments where they talked to each other and they just, just didn't understand. But in the midst of these raw moments where there was probably disappointment and heartbreak and they didn't understand and they probably asked themselves some of those same questions like, God, why us? They continued to be faithful. They continued to do what God wanted them to do. And Luke goes on in the next few verses and he tells us that the time came for Zacharias' division to serve at the temple, which happened twice a year. So Zechariah was part of the priesthood and, and the priesthood was broken down into 24 divisions and each division served at the temple two times for a week. So two weeks a year, your, your group was going to serve. And so, man, Zachariah, his time came and it was, all right, our, our group's going to be the ones that do the work and serve and take care of everything at the temple. And so, man, he was going to do that, but something happened. Not only was it his turn and his division's turn to serve, but Zachariah got chosen for something that was a once in a lifetime thing that happened to a priest. So out of all his division, he was chosen to go into the temple and burn incense 
at a specific altar, and this was literally something that happened to you. You got chosen to do this one time in your life. Maybe. Not every priest got to do this, but out of his division, out of all the 18,000 plus priests, he got chosen to burn incense. And so I think we have a picture of the temple. You can kind of see barely, uh, but so in here, this right in this area is where this special altar was that one priest out of the division would be chosen to go in and to burn incense at this very special altar and it was once in a lifetime and he got chosen so I mean this is the man if you're an astronaut this is the call you get to say hey you're the next commander of the next mission to wherever like this is the once in a life, like you're, you're in the NFL and you're, you're on, in the Super Bowl. This is the coach sends in the play and you're the one that's going to carry the ball for the winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. This is once in a lifetime, greatest honor of your life. This is about to happen. And that's what was happening to this, this guy named Zachariah who had been faithful. All he had ever wanted in his life was a child. God had, for whatever reason, said no. And so now he's continuing to be faithful. He's been given this honor. And it says this in verse 11, as he kind of steps into this honor of, of, of giving incense at the altar, it says this in verse 11. It says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right of the incense of altar. You can put that picture up of the... So this is a replica. So... And this is how you know Dr. Luke was really detailed because he knew that something happened to the right of the altar. Like he knew exactly even which side of the altar this took place. He says this, as he's, as he's there, an angel, he's, he's in there, man, doing his thing, greatest honor of his life. And all of a sudden while he's doing this, and this isn't like, even back then, this is not like a normal thing to happen. An angel appears to the right of the incense of altar. And it says this in verse 12. This is like the understatement of the world. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Talk about a moment you'll never forget. I mean, Zechariah, he's performing the most honorable task in his whole career. And while he's doing it, he's already probably nervous. This is already a big deal. He's hanging out and he's like, man, and all of a sudden, this angel appears, and it says, man, he is overwhelmed with fear. He is shaken. And then it says this in verse 13. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. It's like, dude, that's easier said than done. I'm trying to do some incense and not mess this one time in my life thing up. And all of a sudden, while I'm in here, this angel appears, and I'm scared to death. Probably got to like change my pants because I peed. And, and, and you're telling me, don't be afraid? It's like, I'll, yeah, I'll try, but this is not a normal thing. And, and then here's what, like, this is what the angel says that, man, was, must have been such a blessing to his ears. He says, God has heard your prayer. God, Zechariah, you've been praying for decades. You've been wondering if God could hear you. You've been questioning at times. You've not been sure of why stuff's happening the way it's happening. All the while, you continue to pray, and I'm here to tell you, God has heard 
your prayer. What prayer do you think he was praying? He was probably praying for two things, two big prayer requests. One, obvious, he was praying for a son or a daughter. And the second thing he was praying for, probably, that was on his heart and Elizabeth's heart is their nation. He probably prayed for his nation that was very dark, and he prayed for a son or a daughter. And God says, hey, Zechariah, God's been listening. He's heard your prayer. And then he says this, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Zechariah, what? Angel Gabriel, I I, kind of stopped really meaning that prayer a long time ago. Man, I've been wording that prayer, and I've been saying it, and it's been on the list of prayer requests, but man, I've stopped believing in that prayer that was ever going to happen a long time ago, and I've been praying for my nation, and I really have given up hope in a lot of areas, and he says, no, 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 God has heard your prayer. Your wife Elizabeth will have a son, and you're to name him John, because, and, and here's the big idea, God's silence does not mean he is absent. In the midst of, God, what are you doing? God's silence does not mean that he's absent. Verse 17, he, he, the, the angel goes on in verse 17, and he, he talks a little bit more about this son, John, and, and This son's going to be a special son. It says this in verse 17. It says, he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. So in this setting, it'd be like if you're a football player and your your kid, an angel comes to you and says, your son's going to be a running back. And he's going to be better than Walter Payton. For some of you, be like, who's that? Walter Payton. But for some of you, if, if, if you, God came to you and said, your son's going to be a running back, and he's going to be better than Walter Payton. You be, man, that's a big deal. For these people, Elijah was a big deal. And this angel says, man, your son, he's going to have the spirit and power of one of your heroes, Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. Your son is going to prepare the way for God's son. Your son is going to be at the center of God reconciling his relationship with man. Your son is going to help bring salvation and be the forerunner for salvation coming to the whole world. Your son that you've been praying for and the nation that you've been praying for is that your prayer requests are being answered in one answer. Your son is going to bring beauty. He's going to bring a message that's going to seem harsh at first, but it's going to bring in the best thing about Christmas, and that's Jesus. In verse 18, because I mean, again, for us, we've, we've had a few thousand years to kind of let this sink in. But our boy, he's still standing, at the, still standing at the altar and talking to an angel. And he's still like, is this even real? What is, I'm not, I mean, I had some pizza late last night. Is this that kind of working overtime? Or is this like a real thing? And so Zechariah, verse 18, he says this, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? 
I'm an old man now, and my wife is also, well, he didn't say old for his wife, but well along in years. He's like, come on, man, are, are, are you just messing with me? How do I know that this is, this is too good to be true? Is this really going to happen, or is this just something, did I smell too much of that incense and stuff's not going right in my brain? What is going on? And, and, and here's what Zechariah did. Zechariah found himself doing exactly what we do a lot, focusing on the problem instead of the promise. Don't we do that? I mean, do you do that? I know I do. Like the angel literally just said, hey, are those prayers you've been praying for decades, they're going to be answered. No. No, that's, no God's not that good. God, God, I mean, he, he, he's, he's got it out for me, so he's not going to make my life, he's not going to answer that prayer request. And, and, and the angel's saying, man, no, really, I, I came here to tell you this, and, and no, my, my wife's old, I'm old. And, and a lot of times we find ourselves, man, we focus more on the problem than the promise. And, and that's exactly what Zachariah was doing. He's like, man, I, I'm not sure. All I can see is that my wife's old, and I'm old, and Usually stuff doesn't work right, and I don't know about this kid stuff, and I know how kids come, and that, I don't see how that's going to all work out. And Angel's like, come on. And here's what the angel says. He has the mic, and he's about to drop the mic. He says this. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. Okay, good, good to meet you, Gabriel. And then he says this. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this news. So he's basically, hey, Zachariah, hush. I'm actually, I actually hang out with God, and he's the one that sent me here to tell you this. So you might have an issue with me, but are you, are you saying you don't believe God? He just like dropped the mic. I, I'm like buddies with God, and he told me to come tell you. If you don't like the messenger, don't kill the messenger. This is what he told me to tell you. And, and here's what verse 20 says. It says, but now, since, since you're going to mess around and you're not going to believe me, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Basically, man, since you didn't believe, you're going to be unable to speak until this promise is fulfilled. And, and we pr believe probably that there was also, not only was he not able to speak, but we think he probably wasn't able to hear just because of based some other stuff. So you had a question? Well, here's your sign, buddy. You can't speak and you can't hear until this baby comes. And that's when this baby comes, you'll be able to hear and, and, and speak again. And so this is all happening. But, but outside, outside the temple is Zachariah's, you know, other kind of companions, other workers, other priests. And, you know, this is a real big deal for him to be able to go in and do this. And so, man, he's got kind of his posse outside just waiting, man, to... Tell us how it was to do the incense thing. And so they're outside and they're like, dude, what is? Man, John, the, the priest the other week, it, man, it only took him about an hour. Your boy, he's been in there for about two and a half hours. Man, if he doesn't hurry up, we're not going to beat the Catholics to lunch. We, we got to get moving. What is going on? And so it says this, verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering, why, why is he taking so long? And then it says this. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence, 
that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. Usually what would happen when a priest would come out, he would pronounce a blessing. But Zechariah, he comes out, and man, he can't speak, he can't hear, he kind of looks out of it, and they, they don't know what happened, but they know, man, something happened. This guy, he's seen something. And shortly after this time, Elizabeth becomes pregnant, just as the angel said. And this couple who had been burdened for their nation, they had desperately wanted a child began to understand something that I think is so important even 2,000 years later, and it's this. God's plan brings perspective to my problems. This older couple who had had a problem for a lot of years that they didn't understand had a lot of questions, I'm sure. Why God? Now they understood God's plan. And God's plan brought a lot of perspective to the issues that were the huge problems in their life. Has this ever happened to you? Where you, man, you, you see the tree like right up in your face and you're like, man, that's a huge, I don't, I don't, I don't understand, this is a huge problem. And because we're not God, we're unable to see the whole forest, we're unable to get the full perspective. All we can see is this huge problem that's right in our eyes. But man, once we are able to have a different perspective, once we see God's plan, it brings tremendous perspective. Doesn't mean the problem goes away. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't, but it brings a lot of perspective to the problems that are in our life when we see God's plan at work. And that's exactly what this couple began to see. And verse 57, as you know, time goes by and, and Elizabeth, she's pregnant, she uh, has Mary, Jesus' mom, actually comes and spends some time with her. We'll talk about that in a few weeks. But verse 57, it's, it's the time for this baby to be born. It says this. When it was time for Elizabeth's baby to be born, she gave birth to a son, just, just like the angel had said. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had been very merciful to her. And everyone rejoiced with her. So, man, every, I mean, this is like the couple that, man, you just want good things to happen to. They're just the nicest people you know. And it's like, so, man, when something good happened to them, man, people were excited for Zechariah and Elizabeth. And it says this, verse 59, when the baby was eight days old, they all came for the circumcision ceremony. Like in our, in our society, first birthday is a big deal. You got to watch the, the kid destroy the first birthday cake. In this society, for whatever reason, man, it was circumcision ceremony. Eight days old, everybody gets your cameras out. This is the big deal. The party is happening. Thank God the little guy can't remember this moment in his life. But it was, it was kind of a big deal. And, and so, man, everybody comes for this special ceremony and it says this, they wanted to name him Zechariah after his father. So the people are there and like, this is when they officially give the baby a name. And man, so we're going to name the baby Zechariah, right, Elizabeth? I mean, just like dad, and that's just kind of how it goes. And then Elizabeth says this, but Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. What? They exclaimed. There's no one in all your family. I Man, you don't even have a distant uncle named John. What are you? You're not going to name this baby John. 
Like, have you been sniffing the same incense at your husband? You don't, you don't do this. Like, you, Zachariah, maybe Zach for short. I mean, you can do some, there's some variations of it, but you're not naming this kid John. And so what they do, I mean, maybe, you know, Elizabeth, she's something's not right. So let's at least talk to Zachariah. He can't talk yet or hear, but let's gesture to him and just see what's going on. So it says this, verse 62, so they use gestures to ask the baby's father what he wanted to name him. He motioned for a writing tablet. And to everyone's surprise, he wrote, his name is John. And it says this, instantly, Zechariah could speak again. And he began praising God. So it was in that moment that the skeptic becomes a believer and he sees his son and he says, this is the, kind of the last thing that we need to do is name this baby what the angel told us to name it. And so he's writing it. His name will be John. And immediately he could speak, he could hear, and he begins to just give praise to God. And it says this in verse 65. All fell upon the whole neighborhood. And the news of what had happened spread throughout the Judean hills. So, man, this, somebody, they were realizing like something special is happening. It says this in verse 66. Everyone who heard about it reflected on these events and asked, what will this child turn out to be for the hand of the Lord was surely upon him in a special way? These people who were hopeless began to see that maybe, just maybe, hope was on the horizon. That this baby, there was something special about this whole thing with Zechariah and the angel. And now this baby's name is John. And we don't, we don't understand what's happening, but we know something is happening. Something special is starting to, to happen. And there may just be some hope on the horizon. As you, as you think about your own life, no matter where you are, whether you're somebody that's a, a follower of Jesus or maybe you're a skeptic, no matter kind of where you are as it relates to faith, we've all been through seasons where our problems and disappointments seem overwhelming, haven't we? Like we've all been where Zachariah and Elizabeth were. Hopefully we weren't there for decades like they were, but we've all been in a place where disappointments and problems, they just seem overwhelming. They're the first thing you think about when you wake up. They're the last thing you think about when you go to bed. It kind of is just this cloud that weighs on you. Even the happy moments of your life, it's just a cloud that kind of is overshadowing you. We've all been there. And we may, if we're honest, even find ourselves questioning God and wondering, man, God, do you even care? Do you hear? Is it what's going on? I'm trying to be faithful, and it just seems like I'm not making any progress in these areas. And we, if we're honest, maybe we don't verbalize it, but we question God. And we wonder, like, what, did I just do something really wrong? Is he, I mean, am I on the naughty list? Like, what's going on? And here's what we've seen is today we've seen that actually the, the story of Christmas starts with a really faithful couple that probably had a lot of the same questions that we have. And if we could sit down, maybe over coffee if our Starbucks was open, and we could actually sit across the table with Zachariah and Elizabeth 
And if they were to, man, it was, John was a year old. And we were able to sit across the table with them when, when this baby John now is about a year old. Instead of questions, I think they would be able to share some lessons that they've learned in this process. And one of the things that I think they've learned, we already mentioned it, is that God's silence does not mean he's absent. God is listening and he deeply cares. God hears you. They would, they would tell us, they would say, man, there were, there were moments, there were dark nights where we, we cried out to God for our nation and for our son, and we just felt like our prayers weren't even getting through the roof, but God all along was listening and hearing and caring, and they would tell us that. I think they would also tell us that God's plan brings perspective to my problems, they would remind us that God sees what we don't see. God knows more than we know. God cares more than we care. God is for us and his plan is, is, is best. Even when we can't see it, they would remind us as we're going through different issues. And some of you, this is a dark season maybe in your life. Or maybe you're coming out of a dark season and you're just like, man, it's so overwhelming and I don't understand. And, and they wouldn't, I don't think they would minimize the problems, but they would remind us that there's a bigger plan from a God who knows more than we know, who's stronger than we are, who cares for us more than we can imagine, whose way is always best, and his plan will bring perspective our problems when we know there's a bigger plan. And I think that's what they would share with us. So as, you, as we kind of close up, I want you to think about your own life. Think, just think. So what problem are you facing right now? Like what, what problem are you facing in life right now? It might be relational. might be financial. might be something with health. It might be something with your marriage might be in another area with your job. Might be, but, but what problem are you facing right now that if you're honest, rent some space in your head? Like, like it, it's, it's that problem you worry about. It's the problem you're anxious about. And, and, and if you're not careful, man, it will rent space in your head a lot. What is it for you? What are you worried about? What, what can't you figure out? What if you could fix, you would, but you're out of options? Like, what is it for you? Imagine how this season could change if instead of being overwhelmed and worried about our problems, we remembered that God is listening. He isn't absent. His plan is best. And He loves us more than we could ever imagine. Just imagine. I didn't say imagine if your problem went away. Because sometimes, and this is hard to maybe grab and it's hard to say even. Sometimes God allows things in your life for the, so that you will grow closer to him. And you're like, man, I would change this tomorrow. I wish this was gone. And God's saying, 
This is doing exactly what I planned it to do because my goal for you is that you look more like my son Jesus and this moment that you don't understand, that you can't see the end game, like you can't see the whole forest, you only see this one tree, this thing is doing something beautiful in your life. Trust me. Maybe as as we close, you would... Just in the quietness of your heart, just, you know what? All right, God, I'm not going to worry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be tempted to worry, but, but I'm going to pray. I'm going to take these things to you. Like your word tells me in Philippians chapter 2, it tells me, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplications, make your requests known to God. And then it says this, when we do that with the big problems and the small problems, it says this, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say it'll take your problem away. It says it will guard your heart and bring peace in the midst of the tough times. And I, Maybe, maybe you would say, I'm not going to be held captive. I'm not going to be held captive by life's challenges, but I'm going to remember my perspective is limited. And just like the, David said in Psalms 37, he said this in Psalms 37, and this is what I'm going to close with. Whether you're watching online or you're here, David said this in Psalms 37. He said, trust in the Lord and do good. A couple verses earlier than that, he said this. He, he talks about how evil is rampant and, and, and there's evil people and bad things are happening. And, and a couple verses later, he says, in the midst of all of that, he says, here's what you can do. You can, in the middle of all the craziness, you can trust in the Lord and do good. You can wake up tomorrow knowing that, hey, my perspective is limited. My God is listening. My God cares. So I'm going to trust him and I'm going to just do good. I'm going to love my neighbor well. I'm going to love my son, my daughter, my family well. I'm going to work hard at my job. I'm going to work hard in my school. I'm just going to do good and trust God. And, and you know what? Problems aren't going to go away. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. But in the midst of those problems, you will be better and God will be glorified. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. And Lord, I I thank you for the honesty of your word. I thank you that, man, there's a lot of just train wrecks in your word. A lot of people's lives that were by far not perfect. And there was issues and problems and challenges and disappointments. And you, God, you don't pretend that life as a follower of Jesus is carefree and problem-free. In fact, in the middle of the problems, you are very present. And God, I pray that we as individuals, whether we're a longtime follower of you or whether we're investigating faith, whether we're online or we're here in person, that we would realize that there's a God that loves us so much. He loves us so much that in the midst of the chaos of Israel 2,000 years ago, he sent his only son to heal the world. To bring a relationship with God back. 
And God, I pray for each of us here, Lord, if, if we have issues and problems, and, and we do. I know as we've talked about it this morning, Lord, I'm sure you've brought issues and problems to people's minds. I pray that each of us today would just come before you and say, God, I trust you. I believe your perspective is bigger than mine. I know you love me dearly. Help me to trust you and do good. And God, I pray as we do that, that we might be a testimony and an encouragement to someone else who maybe is going through something even deeper. That they would see someone who, man, life isn't perfect for, but there's a trust in God that's hard to describe. In Jesus' name, amen.